Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on Christmas morning. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Such a cool opportunity today to get to be in the homes of all these families. I was just thinking sometimes doing a recording can seem somewhat distant or disconnected. I remember when we were doing the recorded services for COVID or the live stream, sometimes it was a little difficult because it's so awesome when we come together. But as I was preparing for this video, I just thought, man, this may be the most intimate service that we've ever had. Because we've never got to be in everybody's home. Well, I mean, we can through live stream, but so many of you are here, but we're gonna get to just be in your home. And that's super exciting this morning. I'd love to be sitting on the sofa with all of you guys and all of your different families, just seeing the looks on the faces of your children and your spouses and extended family. What an awesome time we get to be with y'all. Thank you, worship team. As always, we're so blessed. I uh, don't want to take a lot of time this morning with announcements. There's a lot of announcements. I'm looking out in the room. I don't see any first-time guests today, so there may be some watching with us. If you're a first-time guest watching with us, uh, they'll put something on the screen and you can go and let us know you're with us today. That'll be awesome. I do want to bring your attention to Better Is One Day. This coming Saturday, New Year's Eve, uh, we will have our annual Better Is One Day event starting at 8 p.m. on Saturday, going until 8 p.m. on Sunday. 24 hours, Better Is One Day, we're going to have healing rooms, prophetic rooms, deliverance rooms. We're going to have hours dedicated to the gates of the city of Knoxville, north, south, east, west. We're going to have hours dedicated to um, gender, youth, demographics, all kinds of different things. Just We're really going to be intentional to sow into some very specific targets during our 24 hours during that entire 24 hours, there will be Bible reading. We'll have Ezra's podium. And so that is such an exciting time because we read the Bible aloud. You can go to the website, sign up for all these rooms that I've just mentioned. You can also sign up to read the Bible for a 30-minute slot. And most of the time on these 24-hour events, we read the entire New Testament into the atmosphere. It's crazy, amazing. And so we just released the Word of God, and um, so powerful. So sign up for that. Better is one day, this coming Saturday, New Year's Eve, 8 p.m. till 8 p.m. on New Year's Day. Uh, this is the last Sunday of 2022. And so I want to give you an opportunity to give, even though we're not meeting today, we've just walk through Thanksgiving. We've walked through amazing time of revelation and just locking into God's intention. 
forgiving, so um, I don't want to take a week off of giving you an opportunity to do that. So uh, you'll see on the screen, there's multiple ways to give, and you can give however you like to do that, text give, online giving, mailing a check, whatever you want to do, you can give last Sunday of the year. So let's give together and uh, that'll be awesome. I probably would want to make a declaration over the giving, which is random stop in the middle of everything. Do we have a declaration over giving? Okay. So let's um, take an opportunity now to make declaration over our giving today together. Oh, I don't have my phone. I usually hold my phone, but you'll just have to pretend. I have my phone. We give by our phones at my house. So let's make declaration right there where you are, in your home, with your family. Let's make declaration over our giving. Father, today we give according to your word. We agree with you that lack is not our problem. We know that we will not be mocked or put to shame because we belong to you. We trust you that as we sow, we will receive 10, 30, 60, and even 100 fold. We expect increase and return in every area of our lives. We thank you now in advance because we know you are faithful. So be it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to uh, jump into our word today. That was a drastic change in the lighting. It was cool. I don't know what happened. Um, going to jump into the word today um, and try to be as brief as possible. But you can pause it and go get sausage balls or something and come back. So, you know, it's not like you're going to get hungry during church today. You can just pause it and eat lunch and come back and finish or whatever you would like to do. If you've got a Bible with you or not, you can just look on the screen. But I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass... In those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, 
For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told, as it was told unto them. Beautiful story, Luke chapter 2, the story of the birth of Christ. And I just want to put in perspective the timeline where this story happened. And so this story happens immediately following a 400 years of silence, 400 years of silence, 400 years of darkness. The people of God were conquered and ruled by, in this 400 years, the Persians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Syrians, and the Romans. The people of God were were conquered and ruled by all these different groups of people. The Holy of Holies had been desecrated. Priests no longer were God-appointed, but were auctioned off to the highest bidder. They had lost all uh, sacred order of, of priests. People of God were, were split into religious sects, Sadducees, Pharisees, Zealot, and Essenes. And so, to put it mildly, um, the people of God were a mess. The, the, the promises of God seemed absolutely forgotten. They seemed impossible, darkness, silence, devastation, uh, desolation, conquered, uh, ruled over, um, everything that could go wrong for the people of God had gone wrong for 400 years. But that wasn't the end. Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. I think it's important just to look at the context of when this happened so we can see just how bad things were. Because in contrast, it makes it so amazing when God chose to send his son. 
when the fullness of time was, when the appointed time was. I love in Luke chapter 2, if you keep going, uh, we stopped at verse 20. If you go on to verse 21, you'll continue to see the story where Jesus is eight days old and he's going, um, um, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to the temple to um, be, uh, what's the word? (laughs) To be circumcised. I don't know how I forgot that word. We've done that a lot at our house, six boys. But they took him to be circumcised when he was eight days old. And just a couple of things I want to, I want us to grasp here. When they went into the temple, there was a man named Simeon, and he was devout. He was waiting, Scripture says, on the consolation of Israel. And another translation says, for the refreshing of Israel. So in all of this time that things seemed horrible, there was a man who was waiting for the refreshing of Israel. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so here's Simeon. He's waiting for the revelation of the refreshing of Israel because he had a promise from God. And so no matter what the situation looked like, we found somebody who knows what's happening when Jesus comes because he was looking for it. And you keep on going, there's a prophetess named Anna, which should put a lot of arguments to rest. There was a prophetess named Anna. There we go. All right. And this prophetess had been a widow for 84 years. And for 84 years, she had not departed from the temple, but she had fasted and prayed day and night. And when They brought Jesus, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus in to the temple. She gave thanks likewise to the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for the redemption in Israel. There were people who recognized Jesus when he came because no matter what their situation looked like, they had a promise that he was coming. And so they were looking, they were seeking, they were ready to receive him. And so I just want to talk about that today. Are we ready, believing, seeking, receiving the fullness of the promises of God for our lives and for our families? Let's take this opportunity so seriously today. And I know sometimes I'm naive and I have this picture of every family sitting intently listening to this service together singing kumbaya and just awesome. But I'm just hoping and believing that if it's just a handful or if it's just everyone, whatever it may be, I believe God wants to do a miracle in our families on this Christmas day, today. I believe that God wants to bring transformation into our families today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2. Here's another account And I just want to read this as well because I want to set us up for a few more people that I want to look at. We've already looked at Simeon. We've already looked at Anna, the prophetess. And I want to look at the wise men in Matthew chapter 2. So starting in verse 1, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, 
Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathered together, all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was going to was to be born. Then he said to, they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. Verse six, and you Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star, which they had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, every single time I read this, I just, I mean, I go to Dollywood. When they saw the star, you know, yeah, I love it. They rejoiced with great joy. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. You know, anyway, it's great. After coming, if you guys were here, you'd be laughing. I hope you're laughing at home right now. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So we've got this. Picture now, we've read a lot. We've read Luke chapter two. We've read Matthew chapter two. We've read the account of the shepherds. We've read the account of Simeon and Anna. And now we've read the account of the wise men, the magi from the east. And I think there's some parallels between all of these folks that got to experience the fullness of the coming of the Messiah, because of where they were and because of what they did, it prepared them to receive him and to know him and to experience him where others missed it. And so I just want to look at these wise men. If you don't know these wise men from the East, this information that these wise men were studying and scholars of went all the way back to Daniel. In Daniel chapter 9, you see a lot of the things that these wise men were studying. And throughout the book of Daniel, you see how God had positioned Daniel to be a, a, a studier of his word and a prophet to the nations. And Daniel released these things that he saw and he heard, and they became documented. And here we see hundreds of years later, where they are studying some of this information, some of this stuff that Daniel had put out and Daniel had seen. 
and these wise men discover these prophecies and these things that are to come to pass, which makes them want to experience and look for this star. And so the first thing we see about wise men, and I believe we see it about Simeon and we see it about Anna, is that they were seekers and studiers. They didn't just stumble on the star. They weren't just walking around one day and all of a sudden, hey, there's a star. Maybe that means there's a baby in a manger. I mean, (coughs) they looked for the star because they had an expectation from a star from what they had studied and what they had learned and what they had believed. And then it gave them um, substance about what the star was. So we must look for this path of redemption, this uh, Messiah, this promise, not only for ourselves, but for our family. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. First Chronicles 22, 19, now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord, your God. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. I love this, 1 Chronicles 28, 9, this is a promise. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you seek him, he will let you find him. Find him. Now, the wise men in all of their wisdom and all of their studying ability and their, their intellect, God had to first give and plant the information for them to find or they would have never been smart enough to find something that didn't exist. So in all of our seeking, we have to realize that it's still him that has put us on a path to himself where we find him. So if we seek him, he lets us find him. I I was just thinking about this day, Christmas day, and I was thinking about um, the joy of opening presents. Oh, thank you, sir. I was just thinking a minute ago, I did not get a water. Thinking of the joy of opening presents, and I don't know if you families have open presents yet, or you're going to do it later. I don't know, but it's so exciting, opening presents. And I was thinking about the whole, uh, there's times where we maybe hide a present and have a little scavenger hunt for a present. Those are always fun. We give little clues, and you find the presents, and it's a joy to just watch the excitement of someone go for a present. Can you imagine if you hid a really nice present and you were, you were giving clues to somebody about the present and then they were just like, huh? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't even, you're not a very good present giver. It's probably not worth my effort to look. And so it, I can just see if if told somebody, hey, I've got a gift for you, but you've got to find it. It's a good gift. Man, we would be like so determined to find that gift. And it would, it would make such a statement if we were apathetic to the gift. Like, well, man, if you really want to give me a gift, bring it to me. 
If you really want to bring a gift, make it where I have to open it. Make it where I have to have it. And so, but if we want the gift that he has for us and our family, we have to be seekers. We have to be excited. I mean, we have to believe. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For we must know, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. We must believe that no matter how much effort goes into the seeking, what we are looking for is worth way more than any effort it takes to find. Because he is an amazing prize. And so I put a little gift up here this morning, and it's to represent kind of one of those little hidden gifts, hidden in plain sight, but it's not with the rest of the gifts under the tree. And so that gift would kind of be a gift like the kind of gift that God gives. He makes it really obvious We're all created with an appetite for him, with a desire for him. And then he reveals himself to us. And so for people who do not seek after him and come after him and just want him, it's just an absolute rejection of the easy path that he's laid out for us to come to him. But I just had this gift today and I I, I was thinking about it. And this is how he does a gift. So the wise men starting out, if, they, if you want to have the gift, the promise, if you want to be aware of everything God has for you, we've got to be seekers. We've got to be in for the, the game, for the prize. I remember one time um, this bit me because my parents, I never asked them, I don't think, and I never got any answers about this, but only one time I looked for my presents before Christmas. And I found this amazing 57 Chevy remote control car. Like I had had little Walmart remote control cars that were awesome, but this one looked like one of those like hobby cars. I mean, it was amazing. I thought, dear Lord, that thing is probably a fortune. It was so nice and I found it in my dad's closet in his office and I kept it a secret, and I just was so excited. And then when it came time to open gifts, I never that 57 Chevy, I never saw it the rest of my life except that one time in my dad's closet, and I never know what happened to that. But, um, Mom, maybe you could tell me that if you're watching this. But I don't know what happened to that 57 Chevy. But that never happens with God. Never happens with him. He doesn't do a bait and switch. We come after, we seek, and we look. And so these wise men, they studied, 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 applied themselves. They they knew what they were looking for. They knew what was supposed to happen, right? Like Simeon knew what was supposed to happen. Anna knew what was supposed to happen. We need to know God's word and hide it in our hearts so we know his promises, so we can look for them expectantly. But the wise men didn't just study, and they didn't just know, and they didn't just seek out truth and seek out promises, but they were doers. They were doers. So this trip that the wise men took would probably take four months 
probably take four months to make this trip, not including the preparation, not including all that other time. So they left everything. They didn't just like say, oh, that's a really cool thing about the star. Let's write that down in our journal, you know? They didn't just do that. They said, it's a really cool thing about the star, but where I'm at right now is not the position I'm supposed to be in to see the promise that I've read about. So they left where they were to go where they needed to be to see the promise that they read about. And so we can't just be hearers. We can't just be seekers. We can't just be studiers. We have to be doers. They left everything. They put their life on hold, and they took four months plus all the preparation to make this journey to make sure they didn't miss the promise that they read about. James 1, 22 says, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, He's immediately forgotten what kind of person he was, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. So we can't just be hearers, we have to be doers. And so I'm thinking, we find the truth, we find the gift, and then we just look at it. You got to rip it open. You've got, to, you've got to do what it takes to get it out of the box. How sad would it be if you gave somebody a gift, say you went through the whole scavenger hunt, they were excited about getting it, and then they get it, and they're like, that paper's so pretty, and they just sit it on the counter, and they just leave it there. And you're like, are you going to open it? Are you going to open it and see what it is? And so we've got to... Follow through and open it. We got to follow through, and part of receiving it is opening it. Part of receiving it is doing and taking. So we've got to be doers. Next thing about wise men is they were extravagant worshipers. They were seeking Jesus to worship him. That was their whole point. They weren't going to Jesus to see if Jesus could make them something or see if Jesus would bless them. They just were going to Jesus to worship him. They laid things down that were considered precious and of great worth because they perceived that he was worth it all. They gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is symbolic of royalty. Frankincense is divinity, and just makes a declaration that he was a high priest. Myrrh is a spice that's used for embalming bodies, death. So can you see like what the worship of the wise men consisted of? The worship of the wise men prophesied to who Jesus was. And so our worship we worship Jesus, not just for who he is. We don't just worship him for who he is and who we have revelation of him to be. We worship him prophetically to see him become things we don't even know. We, don't even, we haven't even experienced yet, 
but we just worship him to be what we've sought out to, to know that that's who he is and that's, that's in the possibility in the realm of who he can be. We worship him for that. So he became what the wise men worshiped him as. I think about in John chapter 12, Mary, uh, Lazarus' sister, she, the story is she washes Jesus' feet with <clears throat> costly perfume. This perfume would have been a year's salary is how much this perfume cost. And she washed Jesus' feet with this perfume, and uh, Judas Iscariot, obviously the disciple that betrayed Jesus, he said, why would this woman waste this expensive perfume when this money could be, uh, this perfume could be sold and the money could be given to the poor? But obviously, uh, Judas was robbing out of the money, so he wanted money. It was all selfish. But Jesus said, leave her alone, for she's doing this to prepare me for the day of my burial. And so we see it again. This costly perfume was more than just perfume. It was prophetic. And so she was worshiping Jesus, not just for what he had done and who he had been and what she had seen, but she's worshiping him for the price that he would pay and just solidifying him in her life as the Savior. I mean, our worship is, is just transformative in how we worship Jesus. And so I just see this, this gift we have to seek, we have to do, and, and, and worship to me is just giving thanks and adoration and excitement for it. And so we, we seek it out, we open it, and we give thanks and worship and adoration for it. That's what wise men do with extravagant gifts that have been given to them, the Messiah. And that's what we do in response to him. The last thing I want to say about the wise men is the wise men were changed after their encounter with the Savior. They changed their previous route plans and became defenders of redemption. So the wise men went with one intention, and they were going to report back, and once they got there, the, they were warned not to go back and report to Herod, so they went back a different way. And so when we receive the gift, it changes who we are. We're different afterwards than we were before. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 8, trust in the Lord with all your heart and not, do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. So they left their own thinking, their own plans, their own understanding, and they were led by the Spirit of God to do what they now would do after receiving this gift of Jesus, after encountering him and experiencing him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. Ephesians 4, 22, in reference to your former way of life, you lay aside that old self, which is being corrupted with, in accordance with the lust of deceit, and you're renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And so, there's a transformation that takes place. And I was just 
thinking about this gift. I, I didn't even have this gift in my mind at all till I got in here right before we started. And I thought, really, I think all of this would go with this gift. So I decided to tag a gift into our Christmas. But if I am excited about seeking it, because I know he's good, and if I apply myself to opening it, opening it I was thinking about, anybody ever play that game where you put the gloves on and you have to try to open it? and they wrap it with like 15 things of wrapping paper. And at some point in the game, you think, what could possibly be in this present that we're all fighting over? I mean, it's probably a piece of candy or a Hershey bar. And we just don't take our turn anymore. You know, we don't apply ourselves to open that. It just seems like maybe the, the, it's not worth it. The effort is not worth it. We become weary and well-doing. We quit, we give up. but passionate people that believe he's good and what he has for us is good. They seek and they work and they open and they never quit, no matter what it takes to see the fullness of what he has. They believe what he said, no matter what their situation circumstances look like. And they're grateful and they're thankful and they worship. But the last thing, like what if you open it and it's a tool and you never use the tool. My dad was the absolute worst of this. He was the hardest man to buy for because if my dad needed something, he would go buy it. So if you ask dad, what do you need? He'd say, nothing. I needed something last week, but I went and bought it. I don't need anything right now. So I'd always try to find like a little tool. I remember one time I bought um, a socket that's a gator socket. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of those, but it has all these little pins in it. So it literally will go over any size uh, nut, any size bolt, and it would work. And I thought it was just the coolest tool ever. And it was like five years later, I was in my dad's office. I wasn't looking for presents this time, but I was just, I don't know what I was doing in there. And it was just out in the open, but that gator socket was still in the plastic that I gave it to him in. So he never used it. He never applied it. And so if we don't apply the word and if we don't change and let it change us, then we get no effect from it. It doesn't bring about what it's supposed to bring about in our life. We might as well have never sought it out. We might as well have never put in the time to open it. We might as well have never been thankful for it because we don't even get to see what the intention of the gift was. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For a child will be born to us, and a son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Such a beautiful passage in Isaiah 9. Six and seven. I love the way that ends. The zeal of the Lord of armies 
will accomplish this. If you go back to Luke chapter 2, when uh, the shepherds were in the field, and the angel of the Lord spoke to them, and then it says, and suddenly that angel was joined. One translation says, by the armies of heaven. By angel armies. <clears throat> so I go back to Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm thinking about Isaiah chapter 9. The Lord of armies will accomplish this. And you see the armies show up on the night when the word is brought to the shepherds. So this whole process of the promises of God coming to pass in our life, he wants us to seek, he wants us to do, he wants us to worship, he wants us to apply and, and, and change and be different. He wants to see what he's given us be used in our life to make us different, to make us better. But the thing is, it's never just about us. From the promise in the beginning, throughout all of time, Every time there's an opportunity for redemption and for the world to receive the gift and the promise, the armies of heaven are present to ensure and secure that opportunity for us. I mean, he's so good. He's so good. He never leaves us up to our own devices. I mean, he sends armies he sends armies to help us in this process of receiving him. And so I just see the armies that Isaiah 9 prophesied about, those armies showed up in that field with the shepherds. And I just see this morning in homes that are watching this video, I believe this morning is a morning for families to receive the gift of redemption in a brand new way, in a full way where we're actually committing as a family. We're going to be seekers. We're going to be doers. We're going to be worshipers. We're going to be appliers. We're going to be users of promises and, and tools. There's going to be a brand new opportunity to move forward as families. And I just, I mean, I just feel like the Holy Spirit just promised and brought this to my attention that the, the armies of heaven are attentive to this moment. The armies of heaven have secured this moment. They've, they've set a parameter around, right now, homes. They've set a parameter around attention spans. They've set a parameter around this moment and this opportunity and this invitation for us today. And I want us to make a declaration, if we will. If you'll just take a minute. My family's not with me tonight, this morning. On, on this recording, but while we watch this with you this morning, we are making this declaration as a family. And so I ask that you would gather your family, you guys join hands, wherever you are, maybe around a table, maybe on a couch, if you just, there's no possibility right now, just play this part later and do it again later whatever it is, but it'd be such a beautiful thing if everyone connected to this faith family would embrace this opportunity that's provided by the armies of heaven in this moment. If you just take the hand of your family, and this is a declaration I believe we should make today, and it 
it, it, it applies the truth of Isaiah 9 and it applies the, princi- applies the principles we see from the wise men. But here's the declaration. Unto our family, a child has been born. We will be wise and seek him and his wonderful counsel. We will be obedient to his word and trust him to show himself mighty on our behalf. We will worship him with extravagance because he is a good and faithful father. We will change the way we think and live so that we can know and show him as the prince of peace. We will faithfully steward our lives and our family, and we we will be the increase of his government in our world. Our family will partner with the angel armies of heaven to accomplish this in the name of the precious one that was sent for us, Jesus so be it. So be it. I believe this is a a new moment, a new opportunity, a new reference point, and a new marker for all of our families. This Christmas, Christmas, December 25th, 2022, our family made a fresh commitment declaration to God in the presence of the armies of heaven to embark on a new adventure and a new journey together to embrace the promises of God and see them come about in our lives and the lives of our family. And he's going to meet us there. And he's going to do Christmas miracles in the middle of all of that. So I just bless you. Bless your home. Bless your family. Have a wonderful time together. Be safe. Pray God's protection and covering over you. Let no calamity or sickness or disease come on you in Jesus' name. Have an amazing Christmas and uh, the following days, all the celebrations, all the fun. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, so be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And from all of Redemption Life Church, we'd like to wish you a... Merry Christmas!